everyone. This is episode 170 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James Linger, joined today by Ryan Top and Paul Noonan. We're, we're doing this on like a Sunday night, which is unusual for me. So we'll see if I can stay up. But uh, how are you guys' weekends holding up, I guess, as we do this? It has been the world's longest week for many reasons that all of you are more than familiar with and for reasons that are to me personally. It has sucked so bad that I can't even begin to describe how bad this week has been. So uh, fortunately, everybody's still alive. So that's good. Like, I didn't lose anybody close to me. Like, so uh, yeah. count that's, the blessings. That's, that's, nobody died. Yeah, that's that's the bar we're setting for yep. 2021. It's a okay. low bar, but it's an important bar. Unlike Ryan, my weekend was good. My week was pretty good, but um, the next week will not be. So just trying to grind this out as long as possible. If I can make well, the weekend last until, you know, for an extra 36 hours or so, that'd be great. Yeah, but, uh, we'll, we'll hang on to it as as we can. But yeah, I, you know, I saw all the tweets about the uh, seven day trial of 2021 coming up and no, thank you. I'd like to cancel before I get charged <laughs> for the full year. I think that's kind of where we're all at right now. Yep. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right. So let's just uh, hop right in. A reminder, you can help support our podcast network at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate for just $5 a month. Our ball and glove and above patrons get the minor league extra podcast with Ryan. You also get Paul's reporting as eligible mini pods, a preview of the Packers game every week. And we now know who the play- Packers will be playing in yep. the playoffs. It'll be the Rams. Yep. And Paul, I'm scared. Uh, I think that's fair. But I think they're not a terrible matchup. I, I would rather have them than the Buccaneers. And uh, it, I would the Saints, they've beaten once already. But the Saints are actually scarier than people realize. They were dumb today. Did a few dumb things. But um, the, the, we don't know if they're going to have a quarterback. The, the Rams had a one-handed quarterback after their backup quarterback got knocked unconscious by um, Jamal Adams. Um, and we're not sure how that's going to go. Their backup backup is Blake Bortles. If he has to play at all, well, you know, that's good. That's very good. Then we get to make a whole bunch of... Good place references on the yes. pod next week, and I always like doing that. So, um, <laughs> uh, it's not bad. It, it really comes down to the health of like Cooper Cup, uh, two quarterbacks in one cup. Um, so, it's, uh, <laughs> yikes! It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's it's the run game of the defense that has me yeah. scared. But I just live in fear with the Packers, and more often than not, this year they've they've proved me wrong. So, you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. But if you, if you want a, a quick teaser on what will be yeah. on the mini pod, which I'm going to do really soon. The Rams have the best secondary in the league. Uh, however, their weakest actually against number one receivers. They they don't have oh shoot I'm gonna play I see I'm done research yet. They're a really really good corner Jalen Ramsey. They, they don't Ramsey. tend to have him shadow. So um, the pack the Packers can get Devontae open if they move him around and that should be a big point in their favor. So should be okay. It's a, it'll be a tough game. That's a really good defense. Tough match, but uh, could could be worse. Could be. All right. We'll be on the lookout for that uh, mini pod. A reminder, you can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. And you can check out the guys regular pod dropping uh, later this week. In the meantime, uh, baseball side, still not a lot to talk about, especially when it comes to the Brewers. I mean, Pablo Reyes isn't a huge deal to you. No, no, he's uh, not. No. So, I mean, yeah, we we have the uh, Francisco Lindor trade to the Mets, Mookie Betts version 2.0, as Ryan called it before we started recording here. <laughs> I guess before we jump into the Brewers stuff, any thoughts on that? And just, I don't know, Cleveland salary dumping? Is that your take on that? Or I guess, Ryan, what are your thoughts on that? It's probably going to wind up helping them in the long term. They decided that they weren't going to keep Lindor. 
And frankly, that's pretty ridiculous considering their overall salary situation and what they could do. But they decided a long time ago that they weren't going to do this. What did Dolan say? Like three years ago, enjoy him while he's here. This has been coming for a long time. (laughs) Way to sell your franchise, by the way. Yeah. I mean, the question was just when it was going to happen, not so much if. And I think they actually did okay on the return. Like they actually, I think they did pretty well on the return, to be completely honest given the situation, given that everybody knew they, they needed to move him, given the fact that there couldn't have been that many teams out there ac- actively pursuing him, right? Like, the only other team that that has been making big moves this winter is the Padres, really. I guess you could kind of say, like, the Blue Jays, maybe, or the, the Braves. But, like, the Padres already have a shortstop and a third baseman, so there was no, they had no need for Francisco Lindor. Like, that was purely superfluous to them. So... I guess they, they did a pretty decent job in getting a return, but it, it sucks for baseball. I was talking to my brother about this, who's a Cubs fan, and he was saying, you know, it's just it's so grinding that like there's no reason that this should have to happen, that a team should just not be able to keep their or to, to say to fans that we can't keep this great player that you love mm-hmm. when obviously they could like every team in baseball could afford a thirty five million dollar year contract for a guy like Lindor especially at his age where he's hitting for agency at such a young age and you wouldn't be obligated like deep into his, we're not talking about, you know, trying to, to deal with Albert Pujols at 41 here. If he signs an extension, he'll probably go through the time. He's about 36, 37 at the latest. Like any team can handle that. Any team can do that. That's doable. But the uh, Cleveland team just decided not to. And it sucks. Yep. It does. It really, bets 2.0 is the best way to, to talk about it. It's, the biggest problem with baseball you have these guys who are unquestionably the best players in the game who are still young the exact people who deserve and should be getting giant contracts and preferably from the teams that they came up with and instead no that they, they don't they don't get off they get shipped out they don't get offers made it's it is ridiculous and yeah ryan's right when you have a player like that it's always a good investment it's your star power it's what drives you to your franchise to actually win games you know if the brewers did did that with Yelich right now you'd be with this lineup especially you'd be beside yourself like and that's exactly what is essentially going on except younger <laughs> so worse um really really just a terrible state that they're in right now baseball just never seems to realize the problems that they have um that they have caused um and really 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 pennywise pound foolish at this point it's ridiculous yeah, I mean, we'd be in a similar situation right now, probably talking about Christian Yelich if uh, they didn't get that contract hammered out last January, yep, right? So, I mean, he, if he wouldn't be ahead of Lindor on that list, he'd be the next name up. Okay, so Cleveland traded him, and let's see who else is there. And, oh, look, it's Yelich. You know, it's like the Giannis situation all over again. So once that gets taken care of, you jump to the next name on the list. Luckily, we don't have to worry about that. Uh <laughs> So I guess the only real Brewers news in the last week we could talk about is they signed another minor league free agent. So I uh, don't know if this crosses Paul's threshold of a significant signing, a.k.a. not a trash oh. player. Uh, <laughs> Brewers signed Pablo Reyes of Pittsburgh Pirate fame. And I use fame very, very <laughs> loosely here. Unquote you may have fans. seen him, you know, pinch run a couple of times against the Brewers. It's probably your familiarity with him. I found... Uh, his most notable career highlight right now is he was suspended for the entire 2020 season for taking horse steroids. So great news there. 
Uh, <laughs> according to Adam McKelvey, Wait I guess friend, the, yeah. uh, the the 80 game suspension for PEDs was resolved with the 60 game. He served a whole year. It's fine. He probably sucks. I guess either of you do have any takes on he's, Pablo Reyes joining the fold? He's not good. He had an under 600 OPS last year. He's he is a quintessential utility replacement level guy. Um, if I may, just read the 2020 Baseball Prospectus comment from the annual on him. Um, it is two sentences long, and it is, isn't it a modern baseball analysis faux pas to unironically label a player as scrappy? The algorithm is trying to describe Pablo Reyes, an undersized utility man with a can-do work ethic, and that's all it's spitting out. <laughs> End of comment. He tries hard. Yeah. Uh, so I got I got one for you. He's uh, currently playing in the Dominican Winter League, or at least was. Uh, he had 68 plate appearances and a 422 OPS. <laughs> 119, 235, 186. Okay. A 422 OPS in the Dominican League is... Uh, well, it's, it, it actually is a significant step down from last year when he hit 186, 247, 343, 4590 okay. OPS. Yeah, that's a big down. Um, yeah, right. so, uh, so it's well, not significant. It does not break the significant barrier. Yeah, no. He at least tries hard, and we appreciate that, <laughs> even if his uh, methods of cheating are a little outdated. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> he, he's trying. Damn it! You know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, and he's scrappy for that. Uh, with that <laughs> said, we are very thankful that we have a lot of. Uh, questions to get to this week to kind of help uh you know set the tone for the conversation this week so this is basically a q a episode at this point yeah bless you people really bless bless you listeners for this we sent out the sos and you guys came through so we at least have some some things to talk about so uh, let's start with our patreon questions first up adam post has a question he's asking if you had to venture a wild irresponsible guess which major league player will the Brewers still add this offseason? Could be either free agency, trade, waiver claim, what have you. I guess, Ryan, we'll start with your irresponsible guesses. Okay, so irresponsible would mean like big, like something yeah. exciting. Okay, yeah, for Real that Mino, one, whatever. Yeah. yeah, let's go like Justin Turner and Jock Peterson. Bring the Dodgers in here. That's uh, good. Jock <laughs> Peterson. We talked about Jock a few weeks ago at this point now. And, you know, left-handed power in Miller Park, like... That's always great. And Justin Turner could play both corners on the infield where we really need people. So, yeah, those things. I guess, Paul, do you have any irresponsible guesses? Are you frantically Googling who's available right now? If people were still (laughs) available because, uh, you know, there have been so few actual signings that have happened so far. I really remember. Yeah, I was was assuming people were free, but I should have actually bothered to go and check. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at MLB (laughs) trade rumors top 50. And there were more guys. I think there's close to 20 of those guys have signed already. I was shocked. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I, I remember most of these happening, though. Honestly, God, I had no memory of Jake Odorizzi signing. Or, yeah. Oh, um, no, he actually, he didn't. Did he Never mind. Oh, no, 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 he didn't. Yeah, that was a that was a projection oh. I was looking at. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Because I was, I was actually, um, I was looking at former Brewers for this just because <laughs> it would be fun. And, you know, it's an easy way Brilliant. to warm up stuff. So um, my irresponsible one was actually going to be Michael Brantley, who is still a free agent. And oh, there you go. Guy. Um, you know, um, uh, not complete. So they don't really need outfielders, but not too, not so, so unrealistic. He's getting up there a little bit. He has a past of very good performance when healthy, and uh, 
you know, something that maybe could potentially happen if the market's depressed enough, but probably not. But uh, I'll, I'll go with that. It would be fun. I would like to see Michael Brantley back. I like the mixture of contact there and uh, on base percentage. Like you have a guy who's going to do both of those things. And the team yep. could kind of use some of that, like especially up at the top of its order right now. You could use like that stabilizing force. But unless we know there's going to be a DH, that would be really hard. And even if there is a DH, then you're talking about what Vogelbach playing first base a lot of days when Brantley's DHing or Brantley playing a lot of outfield, which probably isn't ideal. I guess you <laughs> can kind of shuffle not. them. But I mean, if you were kind of splitting the season with half the season, you know, being Brantley at the DH and the other half being uh, being Vogelbach, then OK, that uh, could kind of make sense. But it's hard. The fit is hard there. It is. I, I, I do like the bring on the Dodgers thing. And uh, I would like to echo the official motto of the podcast and just saying no Trevor Bauer, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be wildly irresponsible. So. It would. That's true. But nobody wants yeah. that. No. Um, well, some people yeah. want that, but yeah, a lot of them, you know, were arrested for storming the Capitol. So we uh, don't need to please those people. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Second Patreon question comes from Darren Jones. I think we kind of talked about this in, in recent weeks, but straight to the point, who is your current quote unquote favorite to win the NL Central in 2021? The Cubs are actively trying to get worse. The Pirates are the Pirates. The Reds are selling everything off. You know, we talked, are the Brewers a favorite just by, you know, not subtracting anybody, that kind of thing. Darren's actually not the only one to ask us this question. We also got a Twitter question from Nick Augustine, who Paul actually won one of your bobbleheads. Uh, so his question was, even if the Brewers do nothing else other than add replacement level depth, are they the current slight favorite to win the Central? So I guess take both of those questions. Yes or no, Paul? I think no. Um, I, I see the argument for it. Everybody else has gotten worse. Um, however, my default on the NL Central is that if it, nobody does anything to actually take a step forward, then the Cardinals will win by default. Um, <laughs> the, that is what I would wager on if I was wagering on it. But they're in a good spot. Their pitching is really good. If they have a bounce back from the people who were all terrible last year and Kane will play. And if Yelich is back to normal, that's a pretty good team. So they're certainly one of the favorites. I, I, I like their position, even if I don't like the way things are going in the central. And I, I think it's hard to actually pick one right now. Everybody's pretty close. It's not that different. Even though the Cubs are, you know, selling off mode and people are getting worse all over the place. It's still a really close division. There's not a clear favorite, but I would say Cardinals by a hair and then the Brewers and then the rest of the detritus below them. Oh, so I would put the the Cardinals, the Brewers and the Cubs together, basically indistinguishably yeah, up top with each other because the Cubs do First still have tier. a decent amount of talent left on that team and I think can can make some noise and, and do some things. I think that we might see the purse strings loosen up for them if there's a go ahead to start getting fans back in the ballpark and knowing what that's going to look like and all that. So we will see. But yeah, basically, I don't know, like flip a three sided coin. Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I don't know how that works. Yeah, I, I don't know what like because you can't say roll a die. I guess you'd roll. There is a three sided die. Is there? All, okay. all you Dungeons and Dragons fans out there very know very well. Yes. It's a triangle-shaped die, and you count the one that comes up on the side that is facing you. So that is the more you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll get one of those made with the, like the little NL Central logos on it. We'll just roll one of those, and we'll find <laughs> out who wins. Exactly. Easy enough. I don't know. I 
my default too is just to go to the Cardinals, partially because I feel like they're evil. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yes, that just the devil magic will carry them over the top, but also just their default is sort of you know their their or their baseline or whatever you want to call it is pretty much higher, I think, than maybe the Brewers or the Cubs at this point. I think you guys are right that the Cubs still have a decent amount of talent on the roster as constructed. I guess the big question, though, is how much of that will still be there in the next month or two if they're continuing to try to sell off pieces. Uh, we actually have a question about one of those pieces coming up here in a couple of minutes. But I just the Brewers offense is so bad, man. Like, I don't I don't foresee any way they can stumble into a division title as constructed. I mean, you're you're placing a lot of hope on half a dozen guys bouncing back to career norms, and it just it feels like too much has to go right. I don't know. Um, I kind of disagree with that because you don't really need all of them to bounce back. Uh, the first thing is if you get a yellow sure. bounce back, it's a huge bounce back. You know, that's from essentially sure. replacementy level performance average to you know MVP level performance. That's already quite a few wins. And then, you know, you don't need all of them. You don't need Urias and Garcia uh, and um, Garcia, uh, all like, and Kane, all the bounce back. You just need like half of them to do halfway decent. And you got a decent enough offense to support that pitching staff. So I see the path there if they don't add anybody. I wouldn't necessarily count on it. I'm a little bit of a skeptic as to Yelich's ability to bounce completely back, to be honest. But um, I could see how it could happen, like it, with a minor amount of luck, not with the wholesale luck that they've sometimes gotten in the past. Oh, did you guys see the article from Eno Saris on The Athletic this week about Christian Yelich specifically? He got really highlighted as being a, a potential guy who was really damaged by not being able to watch video this season. I did see that. What Makes is a your, lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, it does. I, I sort of I think that it's probably somewhat likely that it did have an effect on him. I still think that what we talked about before, and I don't remember, was it you, Paul, or Brad, maybe? basically said the biggest thing is probably still the knee. My pet theory is it's his knee, and that's based on his splits from last year, where when he was facing um, same side pitching, he actually was much better. He, he was his old MVP self. Um, when he faces um, same side pitching, he tends to use all fields more, and he turns into Deadpool super power hitter against opposite side pitching, um, and that's where he struggled, and I think it is because to be a Deadpool, you have to actually, you know, really swing early, pull the ball with power. And that's how he hurt his knee in the first place. So my, uh, there, this is, you know, just a theory. There's no proof for it other than that split existing and it being, you know, frankly, a little bit weird. I think most mm -hmm. guys don't have reverse platoon splits, especially to that amount. Um, but that's, that's really what I think he has to get over. Either he needs to change his approach to go all fields um, on opposite side pitching, or he needs to just get over the fact that he might bash a ball into his knee again. If he goes back to his old ways, so the big thing, piece of evidence, and it wasn't directly about Yelich, but the general piece of evidence that last year may have seen a pretty big change, the effect of, of not having video. The reason that was cited was the third time through the order penalty seemed to almost completely disappear. Yep. Like it dropped dramatically. And it, if you looked year by year, it was pretty star, uh, pretty amazing because it tracked the third time through the order penalty tracked right along year by year right as you went through and then all of a sudden last year it just the the, the dots got very close together compared to they'd, they'd always maintained basically the same split so it really did look like the third time through the order uh penalty largely went away last year 
And there are other explanations for that besides the video thing. Like you could also say that guys weren't being given the opportunity to go third time through the order nearly as much because everybody had so many pitchers on their staff that they right. just really yep. didn't need to do it unless the guy was truly dominant. That could be a, a, a good explanation for it. But yeah, I'd highly recommend checking that out if you are an athletic subscriber. Definitely. Yep. I guess while we're on the topic of the division, this is really early to ask this question, but both of you, how many wins do, do you think it takes to win the Central in 2021? I think it's pretty atrocious. Uh, I'd say like 85, 86, like a low, low number. So the thing about this is there's going to be a lot of wins up for grabs from the Reds and the Pirates. That's true. Mm -hmm. So that does fatten things a little bit. And I think that the top teams will probably beat each other up somewhat. And there are bad teams elsewhere in the NL, though not, not maybe as many as there used to be. Yeah. It's it's a little bit of a weird breakdown that way. So I think it's going to be a little bit higher. I think somebody's going to somebody's going to break through. Somebody's going to find and just have things break right their way, and it'll probably be around ninety. But I could see why it would it would seem to be more of a of a slug match. Last year we thought it was going to be a slug match. I think because there were so many teams that had pretty solid rosters. Yep. I mean, yeah, it was everybody but the Pirates had it decent shot to win it right right and so we kind of figured that was going to be a slugfest it's not going to be that way this year but the the reds and the pirates being so potentially bad probably freeze that up a little bit so who do they have in interleague this year i forget which what's the division crossover this year i thought it was something impossibly bad i don't know i could be wrong but i'm with you guys that you know, maybe true talent level is 85 or 86 wins, and then you get, like, the the lucky three or four to push you to the 90, maybe. But, you know, it. everybody's just so mediocre. <laughs> and I do think the Central is just going to get beat up when they play out of division, too. You know, it. the East That's- is stacked. The top of the West, at least, you know, with the Dodgers and Padres are very good. Um, I, I just don't see a lot of success coming out, outside of the division, too, is probably part of the problem. Yeah. So, so in, in sporting, Ryan, going a little bit higher, they do play the um, American League Central um, as a total, not just the Twins, the crossover, and uh, not not great. So maybe they'll get a little bit of a boost there. There you go. All right. Uh, next Patreon question we have comes from Jay Google. Suck it, Steve. To be fair, it was the third question and not the first. That's true. That is true. <laughs> yeah. So Jay's question is, uh, with Mark selling his majority stake in his L.A. firm, does that mean we can expect a splurge to sign a guy like Jake Lamb this year? Uh, Tongue in cheek, obviously. His real question is, really, does that have any impact on the Brewers? Paul, I'm just going to go to you with a business question. Yep, we've had a similar question before not that long ago. And the short answer is it's not going to affect anything at all because um, his business is completely separate from how he runs the Brewers. This business deal is just, even though it's his firm that's being sold, this is how business is done in that business. Um, you, you build up equity, you sell it, you get capital, you look for new opportunities, you go into those. So it's not like this is being done for baseball. It's not. It's being done because he saw an opportunity to you know cash in or he saw another opportunity they needed capital for. And that is why this is happening. It has absolutely no impact on the baseball business whatsoever. And anytime anybody, um, any owner does any kind of deal like this, it never has any impact on the business. The business is still going to run as lean as it possibly can, uh, especially in this day and age. 
and uh, you, you don't get capital infusions from when was the last time you heard about just an owner just like, oh, I'll just dump X million dollars in to do this one thing. It happens every once in a while. But Mike Illich it, it, died. Yes, it's like, very, very rare. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, in the same vein, I mean, look at what is going on with the Cubs and the Rickets and generally uh, exactly. also, you know, disclaimer with the Rickets being the Rickets, but they got the historic designation for Wrigley Field, which is like what a hundred million dollar windfall and none of it's going to the team. So, you know, they're they're just going to keep the money. So that's the way these things kind of work in it the is. world. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was going to say one thing, though. So. I guess as long as an owner isn't getting involved with Bernie Madoff in a Ponzi scheme, because that did actually have an effect on the Mets finances. Losing money can have a huge (laughs) impact on it. Yeah. Divorces and bad losses. Oh, yeah. I've crippled baseball operations. Many, many. The McCourt divorce. The McCourt divorce. Huge. Yeah. Uh, So that will hurt a team, but making extra money will never help a team. It's the American way. All I can All picture right. is Bart and Lisa dancing around with Sherry Bobbins. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of the Cubs, I guess, and their willingness to uh, not pay anybody, uh, PJ Wessel's asking, Chris Bryant looks very avail- available for a trade. The Brewers need a third baseman. Ryan, who says no? I think the Cubs aren't going to trade him inside the division, especially to the Brewers 90 miles up the road and watch that become a a thing i think their fans would just like lose their minds and they would be right to they would be so mad and i also just don't see like the brewers taking him on from a like not giving up what it would take to get him because the cubs would want something of significance back to then pay him the money after the years he's had he's not been that good in quite a while now like he has been subpar for a while there's a chance he's broken and not an MVP caliber yeah, player not, anymore, not right? Not on Ryan's point, but get, give him two years and he starts to look like a David Stern's bounce back signing. But but we're not there yet. <laughs> right. He's had the shoulder issues, right, that have kind of plagued him for the last couple of years. He did he did end up OPSing 900 in 2019, which is better than I remember him. He, he got off to a horrible start, though. Um, and that's after, you know, he only played 102 games in 2018, had an 834 OPS. Uh which was only two years removed from his, you know, amazing MVP year. But, you know, shoulder injuries are n- nothing to sniff at for power hitters, especially. Uh, he able to, he was able to finish strong in 2019. But again, and then in 2020, like so many of the other Cubs, he ended up with a 644 OPS. Uh, only hit four home runs in 34 games this year. So, I mean, there's there's legitimate questions, I guess, going forward about, whether he's actually the player that we thought he was too. So, I mean, that's a complicating factor. Uh, You know, any other scenario would be a buy low candidate for the Brewers, I'm sure. But like Ryan said, I don't think the Cubs, even in their willingness to shed salary and get rid of some of these guys are willing to ship them off inside the division at least. So, yeah, it's not going to happen. If you, if Chris Bryant is ever a Brewer, it'll be when he's 34 and, just looking to hang around for a while so a ways to go before that's the old Aramis Ramirez exactly right exactly yeah all right uh we also put out a a call for questions on Twitter our Twitter account is at MKE tailgate we put up the call out every single week so even if you're not a patron you could just reply to that tweet uh ask us a question and we'll try to get to it on the show this week luckily we have lots of tweets uh tweet questions to get to 
So I guess our first one comes from Steve Old City, two-parter. He says, A, what position would you like to see most upgraded out of the Brewers? And B, what position is most likely to be upgraded? Paul? Um, third base, I would like to see upgraded. It seems to just be a big bugaboo that creates problems. Um, it Every idea to fix it is like move somebody there who doesn't play third base, somebody who can't whose bat can't carry third base. And I'm sick of them not having a good third baseman. I would sign Aramis Ramirez. How bad could he be at this point? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> so that's the one. But I have very little faith that they'll do it. I, I hope they do. I, I really hope they do it. I just don't see any big expenditures coming from them. So I think it'll be you know platoon solutions or um, you know guys slightly out of position go play for that defense. And, and I don't. So uh, most likely to be upgraded. Not, it's tough co- catcher because they sign eight million of them. Um, I don't, <laughs> Um, I guess I would say probably first base, um, also bad and easier to get than third base. Like you can find a Jesus Aguiar out there every once in a while. I mean, they tried it last year. They kind of did it with last year, actually with, with smoke, who is not smoke with, with, uh, with Jerko, Jerko, who is perfectly fine. So that's the one that they'll be most likely to upgrade. I think you can find a brewer level upgrade at first base with, with some ease, they'll, they'll get something that hits there and it'll be perfectly fine. Maybe it'll just be Vogelbach, but nobody wants that. Something something else. But uh, I, I just have this bad feeling that third base is going to remain a black hole. Yeah, I think that the position I would most like to see upgraded, and I'm going to be unconventional about this, is hitter. hitter. With you. Sign a bat. Like, yeah. they need a bat, and they need to fit it kind of wherever it fits. So I just, I want a bat that does something really well. Like, we were talking about Brantley. Somebody who makes contact and who gets on base. That would be really good. Somebody who hits for, for plus power, like Jock Peterson. That would be really good. Like I yep. I want to see somebody who can impact the offense in some sort of significant way brought in. Somebody with some like identifiable skill at least, as opposed to the Pablo Reyes's who do a little bit of everything but nothing yeah. good at all, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's all kind of what we want is like somebody with some sort of skill. Somebody who can that's impact like, the lineup. Like, yeah. that's the big thing. Yeah. And what position do I think is most likely to be upgraded? Third base. I think they will do something there. And I have. I hope so. I have some <laughs> thoughts, but yeah. I'm excited about the future of Luis Urias, but the idea of him playing third base every day, not not great. So I feel like they. the problem is, and we've kind of touched on this the last couple of weeks to just looking at the free agent pool. The the Brewers problem is the areas where they need help are the thinnest in the free agent pool. And the areas where they don't need help is where the impact players are right now. Seriously. Do you know how many only second basemen are on the MLB trade rumors top 50? It was like four or five guys. Well, he's only a second baseman. That doesn't help us. This is driving me nuts. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Move here to first and then we can have it. No, that's not happening either. Um, so yeah, short of Stearns and Matt Arnold getting really unconventional with a trade again and dealing from like a position of depth to create an opening or something like that. It's it's just hard to see them kind of finding a match that way. So I'll agree with you guys though. Like obviously third base is the, the big one. I think if they can find an upgrade at shortstop, you know, even though Arcia did better last year, they're still clearly not happy with him. I think if they can find an upgrade there, great. Uh, catcher, they signed eight guys because they're looking for an upgrade there and they're hoping one sticks, right? So 
I don't know. Those, I mean, these are all the same positions that we've been complaining about for almost a full year now, right? Uh, even going back to last year when they signed the slew of first and third baseman, right? Just to see what sticks. It, it's been a problem for a long time and hasn't really been adequately addressed. So yeah. we'll see what happens. All right. Our next Twitter question comes from Ryan at Brewers fan 82 on Twitter. He said, or he's asking rather, will the Brewers ever be willing to spend money to win? Seems like this would be an obvious offseason to do it. No, 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 <laughs> I don't think it is. I mean, we're in the midst of a global pandemic that right. has limited right. the team's ability to put fans in the stands and the Brewers. We've talked about this a bunch of times. The Brewers more than a lot of teams because they don't have a huge TV contract, but do do well bringing fans into the stands, especially for the market yeah. size. That is a big driver of the Brewers revenue is getting people into Miller AmFam field. <laughs> put a penny in the jar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say to, to, I think not to interpret Ryan's question a different way, but you know, I think there is some sort of mentality out there is like, well, could you maybe do some deficit spending, so to speak this off season, you know, take take the big losses and then make it up with a winning team or something like that. Kind of just because nobody else is going to spend, you can spend and, and make a little bit more hay than you normally would, I think is the spirit of the question. Right. Yes, but, exactly. but the fact of the matter is you know, we talk a lot of, we, we talk about finances in two ways here. We, we talk about what they should do um, to, you know, field a winning baseball team because all these people are rich and can take losses and um, also aren't taking losses to the extent that they report. And we know that um, there's profit margin here. And when we talk about what teams should do, we're talking about it as if they should cut into that profit margin to pay players more money, to get better players on the team, to, to win more. But the way that the, the more practical way to talk about it is that all of these owners operate kind of the same way. And those profit margins are pretty set in stone. If you ever listen or follow um, uh, John Judge on Twitter, uh, Bakla, he is always quick to point out there's a bunch of silent partners and people who lend money to franchises who have guaranteed returns every year in the background. And that's part of what locks in those profit margins. Part of it's just outright greed, but part of it is there's a bunch of rich guys with their thumbs in the team that um, they have to pay out every year. So um, fact of the matter is whether we like it or not, when there's a global pandemic, they're not going to spend as much. They're just not. Um, yes, they could dip in. Yes, they could um, tap very cheap equity right now. Yes, they could do all of that. But nobody's going to do that because it cuts into the amount of money they're going to make. And since nobody's going to do it, nobody's going to do it. There's less of an incentive, not more of an incentive. Yes, if you had some Mark Cuban-y type owner in baseball, maybe you would jump up and bite at the depressed market for free agents. But those guys are few and far between, and I use Mark Cuban, and that's probably not even a good example because I don't even think he would do that. So he wouldn't do um, it. No. You know, you know the uh, yes, I'm talking about a fake billionaire that doesn't exist. <laughs> so I had to come up with somebody. Um, I mean, the the idea is like Steve Cohen's going to do this with the Mets, right? But even he's <laughs> maybe not that crazy. Well, and the thing with Steve Cohen is my understanding from the situation is so we've talked about on here in the past that Mark Antonazio does not even own 50% of the Brewers. He just has the most ownership of the Brewers, right. and that's what gives mm -hmm. him the, the controlling interest. Uh, that is not true with Steve Cohen because the Mets did not get uh, split up the same way that the Brewers have over time. My understanding is the Mets uh, – Steve Cohen bought a, basically the controlling vast majority of interest in the Mets and yeah. that that is his that puts it in a different situation that is a different because then you're not trying to you know avoid cash calls on your minority partners and you're not trying to avoid yep. those those situations you could basically say 
you know what? I think that it's in my best interest to explode the value of this franchise by spending a bunch of money up front the way that the Dodgers, when the Guggenheim uh, partners mm-hmm. moved in down there. Remember, the first thing they did was they brought in like every failed bad contract from the uh, Red Sox. Yeah. And like they just the, exploded David Price the price and Adrian Gonzalez and all of those. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, and and then what they did on the end of that was they brought in Andrew Friedman to clean up that mess, right? Like he was brought yeah. in specifically to fix that problem that they had created for themselves. But they did that with a reason in mind, which was we need to get the stench of this last terrible owner out <laughs> of the place. And we need to, you know, put on this show that we are spending to win. And that won over a lot of people in the short term for them. And now they have this juggernaut thing going. So it's it's different in every situation, I think. But yeah, for the most part, what, what Paul's saying is my understanding of it, too, is everybody wants to to keep their profit margins in line because they have all these minority partners to to pay out to. Yeah, I guess speaking of spending to win. Our next question comes from Rob Wedig on Twitter. He says, once you committed to pay Yelich, you committed to try to put a playoff team around him. Who are some of your good bargain investments Stearns should be looking at? He personally is looking at uh, Michael Franco or Tommy LaStella. I know, Ryan, you were dumpster diving, I guess, for lack of a better word, before we started this. Who is on your list? So I'm big on LaStella myself from those you mentioned, Michael Franco would be fine. That would be perfectly acceptable. They, they might be able to unlock something there. That would be good. But some people that I came up with, uh, Kevin Pillar, if they're looking for a third outfielder or sorry, a fourth outfielder who could fill in at a lot of different spots, because you're probably going to need it at least somewhat. Uh, Kevin Pillar is, is interesting that way. Jose Martinez, if you're looking for right-handed power and they should be because <laughs> they need it. They need they it. Do. Yeah, like uh, Jose Martinez could be a guy that you'd bring in after, you know, a a down 2019 and then a bad 2020. And he's a little bit older. I think he's 32, but you could get something there. Marlon Gonzalez did not have a good stay with the Twins, but is still in his early 30s. And you could potentially get something out of him. And he would give you the versatility with some pop that. Yeah that yeah that that they really do obviously value so those those kind of popped out as well as chris archer who i did hear <laughs> good old chris archer yeah i mean this, he's sort of i guess like brewer fans white whale at this point i don't know if he's david stern's white whale but <laughs> yeah. he brewers fans at this point anyway but uh, had him like two different times yeah yeah but archer is also a guy that was apparently seen working out at the dodgers complex lately and he had thoracic oh, outlet syndrome so don't know if they would want to do much risking there to to bring him in like that would be you know i mean that's a pitching lab rehab effort you know for chris archer that's the one where you maybe give him a one year plus an option give him a winter at the pitching lab and say let us fix you that kind of thing but yeah yeah i mean he, he just looked lost in pittsburgh and i don't know what the pirates do to pitchers but it should be outlawed <laughs> It's not good, whatever it is. Uh, no, I mean, like, look at <laughs> the explosions Garrett Cole had after he left. I mean, yep. everybody leaves, um, you know. Todd Glass now. Yeah, Glass now. Yeah, like, he was traded for Archer the second he left Pittsburgh. Immediate star. It, yeah. Whatever. So, I do have to ask, are, are we still in on, on Mitch Moreland at first base? 
Because <laughs> he's out there. Oh, yeah. Is he still out there? Yeah, again? but he's yeah. left-handed, and you already have Vogelbach as the left-handed guy there, so it doesn't like work for the that sort of the stuff. Platoon. But, yeah. I mean, if you knew you had a DH coming, I would get Moreland in here in a second, and that would be more to push Vogelbach to DH than anything else. But, yeah. Don't you also need a DH for Jose Martinez? I feel like he's a butcher defensively. In the outfield he was, I don't know how bad he was defensively at first base. That's a harder question. Yeah. But, you know, going back to what we said before, the Brewers offense just needs help. I think at this point you just kind of get the bats and figure out the defense later, right? You're going to have to take a butcher or two here at some point. Um, I Also, is Colton Wong still good at second base? Yes. He's an exceptional defensive second baseman, yes. All right. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) He's getting, he's getting older and he's got some pop that just crossed my mind. Yeah, and he's a second base only guy. Not a lot of uh, checking a lot of boxes on the David Stern's value list. No, so. not really. Moving on, we've got another quick question on Twitter. This one comes from John Mech. He's asking, how long before the Brewers end up trading Josh Hader? Our favorite <laughs> topic of conversation, do I guess. Every single podcast? I think we do. Not every single one, but it's fairly consistent. So, and you know, it maybe it's worth thinking about post Lindor trade or or what yeah. have you. I guess, Paul, what what's your temperature reading on the situation as we stand right now? I think he'll actually be moved at the deadline this year. Uh, that I'm going to say that I think it, it's really just a matter of if they're contending or not. It, that's I think often what the hater question is, but he, he's getting long enough in tooth that I think that this will this is it as soon as they have an opportunity to move him any point going forward they'll do it so I'll say I'll say trade deadline this year you think they're gonna be far enough out of it to do that uh I'll just say I think that there's there are high enough odds that they'll be far enough out at the deadline to do that this year I guess I'd be surprised is it better so we have this question in this debate pretty frequently too all the time I even even without hater, just the question of is it better to trade a guy in the offseason or during the year? And is that calculus different for a relief pitcher like Josh Hader? Well, that, it, that definitely is. Uh, uh, this is I've had this argument a bunch of times. And for for relief pitchers especially, it's much better to move them at the trade deadline. You have much more motivated um, people at that point. It, it, there's a billion different relievers you can get in the offseason. You don't know if they're going to be difference makers or not. There's a huge market. You can talk yourself into lots. By the time the trade deadline rolls around, you, you know who's having a good season and who's not. And um, Hater's pedigree is going to make him even more valuable. And you have desperate guys where one 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 win above replacement can put you into the playoffs versus not. So um, that's all. You're always going to get a bigger return. Uh, I, I've had this argument with a bunch of people who swear up and down that it's that you know the extra three months of control will get you more. Like, no, that's not true. It's it's <laughs> supply and demand. And at the trade deadline. The supply of relievers is much smaller and the demand is much higher. So it's always better to do that. Yeah. Look at what the Yankees got for Andrew Miller and Earl Chapman. Granted, that was at sort of a peak of the reliever value market. Yep. But yeah, mm-hmm. that was exceptional. They just cleaned house on that. Yeah, I guess, especially if you can luck into a contender having massive bullpen issues, you could always, you know, ship them off to, to wherever that may be. But it's just, I guess, Ryan... What's your take on Hater right now? Are you still kind of feeling like it's unlikely? Yeah, I do think it's somewhat unlikely. Somebody would need to just blow them out of the water. And I don't know that somebody's going to do that for Josh Hader at the moment. So the market is somewhat limited. 
there's only been a few teams that have been aggressive to date in terms of adding people. And you're not adding, this is not adding Josh Hader for a, a million or two. You're probably going to be paying him what? 7 million, something like yep. that. So it's, it's not a ton of money. He's, he's worth it. That That's not my point. I'm just saying that it like somebody's going to have to commit money to him and then give up a bunch of stuff that you want to get him. And that's just going to be a tougher proposition. They're probably going to go, well, we could get like 80% of Josh Hader from this free agent here who's sitting around waiting for somebody to give them money and not have to give up precious prospect capital or something. So I guess I don't think it's going to happen this winter. And I have a hard time seeing them do it in the season because they just really haven't done that unless they fall out of it. Now, maybe they at some point would like to have a season down where they can do that at a deadline and sort of reshape the team and um, realign things that way. But I don't know if it's going to be this year because as we've previously talked about, the rest of the central just doesn't look like who's going to run away and hide, you know? So maybe if the Brewers are, you know, six, seven games under 500 and somebody is six, seven games over 500, that would be enough for them to decide to make a move at the deadline on hater. But it, it seems less likely to me. I think we're probably more likely to see it in an off season eventually, even if that isn't the time when you'd get the most value. Cause I agree with Paul on that. The division being as muddy as it is does not help us answer this question right now. Nope. I think which both of you guys kind of touched on, you know, especially because the brewers have been pretty clear, like they were going to try to extend the window as long as they can, which to me says we're not going to bail out of a potential division race in July for four games out just to start a rebuild again. You Don't know, also the, the potential idea that they could deal Hader at the deadline for like major league ready position players or even right. you know, younger position players. Uh, the bullpen is likely to be a, a, a position of strength for them. Hader is getting expensive. They have other guys who can do his role, um, at least potentially. And in some cases, I think for sure. So I, I don't think they see him as necessarily this like sacred cow, best guy, you know, best reliever in the world and, you know, untouchable at all. And as soon as the math gets upside down on his salary and if they need to repair other parts, I think he's like the perfect asset to do that with. That's true too. Yeah. He, you could maybe address third base or something like that with a Josh Hader trade. If you get to that, um, fan reaction is going to be really negative. Oh yeah. That's going to be a, a thing. Yeah. So like they have to balance that into the equation at least somewhat. They, they need to at least be aware that that's out there and that it's going to be a problem. So, so then maybe you trade them when there's no fans in the stands because screw it, nobody's going to the games anyway. <laughs> Is that your line of thinking? I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that might be the play. Who knows? I, yeah, it, it's just really hard to talk about trading Josh Hader when Brad freaking hand is still sitting on the free agent market mm-hmm. uh, who does basically the same thing is also left-handed uh, and can't get a job for $10 million. So, yeah, I mean, Brad hand was projected by MLB trade rumors. Let me see if I can find this here. Brad hand is projected to get 14 million over two years. So you could get Jeez. him for 14 million over two years projected, obviously, mm-hmm. 14 million over two years or hater for two for 20. Like, yeah, you're probably going to be paying. You're, you're going to be paying. You're going to be paying hater more 
and then you got to yeah. give up a bunch of stuff to get him. Yeah. Because the Brewers aren't going to trade him unless they get stuff. So they're not right. just going to salary dump him. That would be insane. That's why deadline, though. That's why not winter. That's, That's a good point. Right. When desperation sets in. Exactly. All right. Uh, one last Twitter question here it comes from Jake Covey, and this is kind of a fun one. Fill in the blank. In two to three years, the Brewers will be blank, with the blank being rebuilding, competitive, etc. What players will still be around in two to three years? So I guess, Paul, what, what does the two to three year plan look like for you? I think they'll be rebuilding because I think they are starting to run out of rope a little bit on this. And I think you you see it in the offense. Um, you know, there's not star power in the minors to build from anymore. The hero is sort of the last part of that. They've been good at the quick rebuild on the fly. It's not impossible. But I, I do think at some point, you know, baseball is designed like this, where um, it, it comes calling for you and you just kind of run out of assets to restock with. So two, three years from now, I suspect that they will be in a somewhat rebuilding mode. Just just a guess. And as to who will be here, I mean, who, who knows? They turned over like the whole team, like from two years ago already. Right. Um, so like Yelich, maybe I'm not even that confident in that. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. He's, I think star forever. So I'll, I'll say Yelich and like a couple of pitchers, like Wood, Woody, I don't know. I don't uh, know if Woodrow's even here. I don't in know two about years. that though. Yeah. That's, that's a tricky one. Um, People who are still under team control three years from now will still be on the team. <laughs> yes. Well, Freddie Peralta is under contract that long, so I think he'll be there here. Freddie will be. And Yelich, yep. I think, will be here because I think he's Atanasio's boy the same way that Braun was Atanasio's boy. And that's not, you know, they never really got that close to trading Braun. Though it was discussed that one trade deadline, but that was as close yep. as it got. So. Yeah, I think that uh, there's a good chance they're going to be right where they are in two to three years because I think that's where they want to be. I think that is what the design is. I think that's what David Stearns is is shooting for, is to be perpetually in this state, which is both good and bad, I guess, because you never really get yeah. too high and you never really get too <laughs> low. You just kind of like, well, I have expectations that they're going to be kind of like somewhat competitive this year. And then, you know, they make a run of the playoffs three years in a row. So Steven, I think... Steven. I think that's kind of weird. This is the the sweet spot for them. And I don't think that, and granted, I have higher opinions of some of the farm system guys than other people do, but like, I think that they could actually be getting more help there than people necessarily take uh, into account. So I think that between that and just that they will make moves to keep them sort of floating in this space. I think this is this is sort of what they're going to be for quite a while because that's where they want to be. Does that kind of require them taking the Tampa model, so to speak, and maybe trading a guy like Woodruff two years ish years away from free agency, or can they avoid that? I know I think it's more Tampa plus. They're like Tampa, <laughs> but with like with like forty million dollars more ability or willingness to spend, which gives you the sure. ability to keep keep your own guys well it gives you the ability to keep a christian yelich around you know as long as you can sign him to something you know under 30 million a year in the current sort of market space then you can do that and that's what they were i think largely able to do right like it it tops out around 30 about there yeah thereabouts yeah so like that can kind of work so yeah i think that the the chances are very good that they're going to be there and like 
a Freddie Corbin, uh, Devin Williams. I think a lot yep. of those guys will still probably be around. Not all of them, but I think a number of them still will be. I just ordered my Corbin Burns jersey, so we better damn well stay on the team for a couple of years. <laughs> well, if he wants to sign a below-market contract, I'm sure people will be listening. Yeah. I. The interesting thing about this question, too, is we don't necessarily know what the economics of the league are going to be in two to three years either. I mean, we've got a CBA negotiation coming up. I mean, there's a lot of questions still up in the air in terms of of that too so it's really hard to kind of did you guys that. hear what uh, blake trinan did for that no Ooh, you didn't hear this okay so blake trinan put into his contract basically uh a, designed it so that most of the money would be guaranteed regardless of what happens with the cba so even if like there's a complete lockout in 2022 and they don't play a game he still will have gotten most of his money because of the way the contract was designed Nice. Yeah, I think he, he only potentially loses about a third of that money. Hmm. So players are currently trying to, at least some, are currently trying to build in a uh, a firewall in case there is a, a, a lockout or a strike in 2022, which yep. brings up all kinds of interesting questions that I'm sure, you know, Paul and I can get into it some other date, but... Uh, it brings into all kinds of questions about uh, the team's incentives to do those deals and the commissioner's office incentive to discourage teams from doing those deals, shall we say? say? No wonder nobody's signing anything right now if they're all asking for that, right? And that was the Dodgers, by the way. So, yeah. Huh. It's just really interesting. It, I don't know, man. I, I saw something the other day that was like January is the new December. So maybe we'll start to see something pick up in the next couple that weeks here but at the same time i we still don't know if the season's gonna start on time so Though there was some news this week that it's trending more in that direction now sure so good. yeah it's good it, yeah, it's, it's it, gonna take a, a declaration of emergency i heard that again this week that the only way mlb can can do what they want to do here is to get a declaration of an emergency so they're gonna have to have that that might be coming in uh, two or so weeks. We'll see. Yeah, that's it's <laughs> it's on the table. Yeah, I think we'll see. You know, we'll yeah, see how quickly we'll the vaccine is able to get the uh, infection rates down. So, yep. yeah, it still a lot up in the air. But man, I just hope the season starts on time, and it's not just like, a, "Hey, you guys have uh, seventy-two hours to report to spring trading. See you there." You know. <laughs> I could kind of see a scenario where that's always possible, but you know, I don't know. It's the situation is more well understood. The planning should be better this time around, even if it's not great. That should be right. Kind of like we were talking about last week too. They've at least had one go around with this. So, you know, some, some sort of baseline, they don't have to set the baseline basically. So, and we're probably not looking at a start, stop, start situation again. Like that's probably if there is a start and a stop, it'd be more brief and less significant. Fingers crossed. Who knows what's going to happen? Not. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you see the NBA is starting to run into trouble already, too. So it. Yes, they are. But, you know, baseball is working on a different timeline and who knows what what the landscape will be in in two months here. But still plenty to think about uh, in the meantime. All those questions came from Twitter. 
as I mentioned before, you can follow our Twitter account. That's at MKE Tailgates. You'll see that call for questions every week. You can also follow each of us on Twitter. Ryan is at RD Top. Paul is at Badger Noonan. I am at James L. So you can send those questions that way as well. Uh, patrons, though, on Patreon.com get question priority. So always an incentive to sign up there. And Ryan, we actually have a new patron to give a shout out to this week. Is that right? Yeah, we do. Travis Carney, welcome to the uh, group here. We appreciate it. Yep. Yeah. Welcome, Travis. Thank you. Thanks for joining. You also Thank get you, pri- you also get question priority on reporting as eligible. Boom. There you go. So when the Packers lose to the Rams, you'll get first dibs. Yes, um, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and I suppose now would be a good time to uh, to make the announcement as well. He is going to be on the podcast with us next week, but I have found a replacement host for Brad for the minor league extra he will be on the regular pod not nearly as often as brad was um we're gonna have him on next week he may pop in you know from time to time or something but primarily he's just gonna be on the minor league extra with me and that's because he's very busy at his day job which is was it lead prospect analyst at uh, rotowire i I believe that's a james anderson who's a a uh, wisconsin liver he's in your neck of the woods james Wisconsin liver, a liver, okay. a Wisconsin liver. Yeah. Wisconsin livers don't do so well. Yeah. No, I was going to say, especially after the last week, my Wisconsin liver, not, not doing so hot, but, uh, great news. Uh, welcome James. And you're going to have to change your name. That's all there is to that. <laughs> yeah. We we're talking about this cause his, his Twitter handle is the real J.R. Anderson. And we already have a J.R. and we already have a James though. The spelling difference, <laughs> maybe we'll just call you Y. And we'll call him James. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, that's not demeaning at all. No, that's great. <laughs> no. Well, I am looking forward to having uh, the other James on. He, you know, he's a great follow on Twitter. Give him a follow even before he joins the pod. But uh, that, that's a great addition for the Minor League Extra podcast. And another reason you should sign up to become a patron for $5 a month. That's patreon.com slash tailgate. So... We will uh, be looking forward to hearing from James soon. In the meantime, if you haven't already, please do subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, please do leave us a review to help other people find the podcast as well. Uh, that's all we have for this week on uh, Milwaukee's Tailgate. Thank you all to all your questions to help us kind of piece together a show here yep. as we wait for the Brewers to do something. Uh, in the meantime, we will be back next week for another episode. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you then.